Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We have a football conversation with Brad Taylor from ESPN Radio in Lexington, Kentucky, talking college football playoffs, the Kentucky Wildcats football season, and some random basketball thoughts as well. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. It is time to turn on the Sports Stove. Welcome into today's edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. We're about to hear an exciting and fun interview with Brad Taylor from ESPN Radio in Lexington, Kentucky, about all things college football. But uh, first, I want to tell you about a sponsor for today's program, HoffandPepper.com. Handcrafted with farm-fresh jalapenos and habaneros, Hoff's original Hoff sauce has gone on to win numerous awards and gain international recognition. Hoff and Pepper always strives to create uh, sauces and seasonings that enhance flavors with balanced heat profiles. Every one of their handmade products is manufactured in Chattanooga, Tennessee, U.S. of A. And naturally vegan and gluten-free. You can find all their sauces and seasonings at HoffandPepper.com. That's H-O-F-F, HoffandPepper.com. And use the promo code BELLYUP and save 10%. Now on to our conversation with Brad Taylor. All right. We are joined now from ESPN Lexington's own Brad Taylor, host of the Bottom Line Lexington, or the Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, that you can hear live every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And that is found on 1300 a.m. and 92. 92.5, 92.5, yeah. 92.5. I get them confused because the Bengals games are on a different station and that is true. All, all lost. But 92.5 FM, ESPN Radio, and you can get that online. What's the website as well? WLXG.com. Just look for podcasts. There are all my old shows there. And uh, we're on a hot streak pick a game. So if you're uh, in that into that kind of thing, yeah, probably in your best interest financially to look at that show too. <laughs> He's he has been on a hot streak picking games, and uh, today we're talking. We're gonna start talking about college football, 
And uh, of course, in in Lexington, college football is done with. They are all they're talking about now is basketball, which they're having a hard time with that too. But we may talk about that later. But uh, let's talk about college football playoffs. We're nearing the end of the season. Some teams are done playing the season. They've played ten games. Other seasons are just getting started. They've played three games and uh, different things going on. So we're now we're coming to the end of the season where we've got the uh, college football playoffs. Top four teams uh, going to be in the playoffs, and I think clear cut number one is Alabama. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, yes. All right. So then the other team, the other undefeated team in the top four, well, uh, Notre Dame. Is Notre Dame for real? Are they legit? I mean, I know they beat Clemson. Um, how good is Notre they Dame? They beat Clemson with a backup quarterback. So, yeah. I mean, it's their, their best win it was over a team that has their backup quarterback going. So, really, how good are they other than that Clemson game? And they're going to hold on to that for dear life for the rest of time. But they'll get to face Clemson again in the ACC championship game. And then that's when the, the playoff committee, what are they going to do? Are they going to take a one-loss Clemson, be, or excuse me, a one-loss Notre Dame because they only lost to Clemson? Or are they going to take some other undefeated team because maybe they played a soccer schedule? That's something that the committee is going to have to decide because, as we always tell on my show, it's all about who you are in life. It's amazing how a team like Ohio State now they're getting special considerations because they're not going to be playing a full amount of games. But, oh, we think they'll probably be just as good as everybody else. Yeah, but if somebody else, if that was anybody else, they wouldn't do that for Ohio State. It all depends on who you are in life. So let's take out what they're going to do. What's fair? How many games should a team have to play in order to make the playoffs? Well, I mean, you're going to look at a team like the Pac-12 I mean, all those teams are going to be playing five, six games top. The Big Ten, if Ohio State makes it, how many are they going to play? Five or six? So it's not like anything is fair. It's the haves and the have-nots in this world. But what is fair this year? Would you rather have a two-loss Georgia or a zero-loss Ohio State? Eight and two or six and oh? That's what you've got to decide this year. It's obviously Alabama and Clemson are the best teams. You could say Ohio State's the best team because they have the best quarterback. But do they deserve it after they'll only be playing six games this year? That's what you'll have to get the smoke-filled room and get all those people, the athletic directors and all those guys with agendas and comb-overs. They're all going to have to sit there and make the decision, and it's going to upset some people. But if they put in Ohio State at 6-0, and nobody's going to argue because they're Ohio State. Yeah, well, and they'll have to, they'll have to beat Northwestern in the uh, championship game as well. Um, You'd like to already- think so, yes. Yeah. Who is Ohio State going to play? Indiana's their biggest win. So it's right. like, what's the, what's the, what's going to be the resume for Ohio State other than having the best quarterback and beating Indiana and Northwestern? Yeah. But then you look at a, a team like Georgia, they lose to Florida, they lose to Alabama, game over. Who's right. the better team? Who knows? And, well, I, I mean, I think there should never be a two-loss team. There should never be a two-loss oh. team, and there hasn't been, but there That's shouldn't correct. be. Now, right. My thing is, Especially I'd more rather, year, yes. I think as far as earning it goes, I'd more rather see Indiana Northwestern play in the championship, Big Ten championship, and the winner of that game go through to the to the playoffs. I mean, I just, to me, six games, if they play Michigan this weekend, Ohio State does, if they play the game, which right now they're on on pace to do, um, you know, they'll be 6-0, and and then they beat Northwestern in the, the Big Ten championship, it'll be 7-0, and so seven games, that's not the end of the world, but I mean, to me, Indiana is 
has been exciting this season to watch. And they've earned it because they've played their games. I think they've had one game uh, canceled, and the rest of them they've all played. Now, obviously, I think I think if Ohio State plays out, if they play Michigan and they play Northwestern in the championship game, 7-0, and that's more worthy. But if they don't end the season with six games, and then they, they play, maybe they still play Northwestern, because uh, that's where they made the change. And I heard that on your show where, um, and I hadn't heard that before, where they said originally you had to have six games in order to make the championship, the conference championship. And uh, the Big Ten decided, well, you know, because, you know, the, the conspiracy theorist out there, what if Michigan says we can't play? And then all of a sudden they say, well, Ohio State Absolutely. doesn't qualify. If you, you don't think Harbaugh's thinking about that? You don't think <laughs> that Harbaugh's like, man, I can stick it to Ohio State right here. I'm not yeah. going to play. Now you won't be able to go to the playoff. Oh, sorry. We don't. We've got too many people on the COVID. You're going to have to go home. Sorry, your season's now over, Ohio State. You don't think that's playing into this? You don't think that that's why the Big 12 or the Big 10 is like, well, well, we're going to change for you, Ohio State, maybe because Harbaugh might pull something like that. But you're talking about Indiana. Do you really think Indiana's one of the best 10 teams in the country? You really think that? I think they're one of the best teams in the country that has played a reasonable amount of games. Well, that's played a reasonable amount of games. Okay. But no. I, yeah, I don't think they're one of the best. I don't think they're one of the best 20 teams in the country. Who have, no. Yeah. Okay. But they played the Ohio That's the problem with the way that we do the college football playoffs. They try to put in the four best teams as opposed to the teams who've earned it. And that's that's frustrating for me. I I mean I I understand why they do it. I'm not I'm not stupid. I get it. Justin Fields is going to sell sell a lot more than Indiana's backup quarterback. But uh, to me, there has to be some at some point you have to be able to put the carrot in front of the teams. At this point, teams like Cincinnati, teams like Coastal Carolina, what's the carrot? I mean, there is no carrot for them. Just like Boise State back in the day when they were good, yeah. there was no opportunity for them to, to get to where they deserve to be based on the season that they played. And, you know, I think Indiana's that way. Now, again, I think if Ohio State ends up 7-0 and through playing Michigan, playing Northwestern, I think seven games is enough. But I would still like to have seen more games. But Ohio State is, without a doubt, one of the best teams in the country. You mentioned the, the Cincinnati's and the – Coastal Carolinas of the world, they're not they're not in the playoffs. It doesn't right. matter what they do. BYU could win all their games by 30 points, and they almost did, and it doesn't matter. They're not in the playoff. Cincinnati could do the same thing. They're not in the playoff. It doesn't matter. You have to be from a Power 5 school, and you have to have less than two losses. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it's going to be this year, too. And Notre Dame somehow gets thrown in because they're an independent, but this year they're in the SEC. But it's all Power 5s in Notre Dame. And that's the only teams that are eligible. Central Florida a couple years ago, they beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl. That was, were they one of the best four teams? We'll never know because they were never given the chance. Cincinnati, they've won two games against top 25 teams this year. If they beat Tulsa in their championship, it'll be three teams in the top 25. Uh, Coastal Carolina has beaten two teams in the top 25, and they're playing Louisiana again. So if they beat them who again. Who are the top 25 teams? Those are also teams that are not in the Power Five conferences too, because all exactly, these Power yeah. Fives they're just playing they're just playing each other. So it's not like the you know back in pre-COVID days when you had the Power Fives would go play some of these cupcakes and give them a chance for a payday. Those this year none of those happened. So all these you know lowly Tulsa's, Coastal Carolinas of the world who are hovering in the number 20, 20 to five, 25 range. 
they're not getting chances. So they're just beating up on teams of their ilk in terms of size. So you can't really judge who they are, how good they are. Yeah, that's fair. Cause Cincinnati beat army SMU and they're playing Tulsa, uh, coastal Carolina, uh, beat Louisiana and BYU on a last minute game <laughs> that was put together. And then again, they'd be, be, uh, they'd have to beat Louisiana again to be undefeated and finish out the season. Um, some of it is you can only play who's on your schedule. Um, and in a season like this, you can't, there's, it, there's very little flexibility about who you can schedule all the power five conferences for the most part are only playing people within their, their conference, Cincinnati, or was it Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina? I don't remember which one, one of them beat Kansas and Kansas isn't a great team by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but they are at a power five school. Um, I just, to me, especially in a year like this, it makes sense to have a team like Cincinnati who's undefeated. They have played people. I that granted they haven't been power five, but they weren't allowed to play power five teams. And so you have them coming in. To me, it makes sense for, of all years for this year to do it because the ACC, um, if Notre Dame wins, then they're obviously in. If Clemson wins, they're obviously in. Then the question is, is Notre Dame in still if they lose to Clemson? Um, you know, and I think I think Notre Dame could drop out just simply because the proof was in the pudding. Uh, if Trevor Lawrence would have been there for the first game, they obviously wouldn't have won that. It, that game wasn't a blowout. <laughs> and and the freshman quarterback got his legs underneath them, you know, halfway through the game and started looking good there as well. But, it, I mean, if Clemson wins the ACC championship over Notre Dame, do both of them get in? That's a very good question. That That's, that's the $64,000 question in this one. Because the conspiracy theory in me says, that Clemson held Trevor Lawrence out a little more longer than he should have been held out with the COVID because they were going to Notre Dame. And so now you have a built-in excuse if Clemson loses, which they did. Now you have the excuse, oh, well, we didn't have our quarterback, so you should keep us anyway. So that was kind of like if they had played Trevor Lawrence up there, oh, well, they, you know, Trevor Lawrence lost at Notre Dame. You can't put him in the tournament or the playoff. Well, he didn't play at Notre Dame. Now you have that built-in excuse. And we've seen with the NDAA tournament, go back to the Kenyon Martin days at Cincinnati when Cincinnati was the best team in the nation, and then Kenyon Martin is gets hurt right before the tournament. They still put Cincinnati in number two seed that year, but they were out in the second round. It's a built-in excuse that Clemson, that's the conspiracy theory, but if they lose to Notre Dame again with Trevor Lawrence. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Do they get in? History says they can't because now they've lost two games and they're two game a two-loss team has never made the playoff, even in a full season. Then the question would be, if Notre Dame loses a one-loss A&M team or a one-loss Notre Dame team? Exactly. And we've seen before, Alabama got invited to the playoff one year, and they didn't even make the SEC championship game. So you look at a team like Georgia, they'll have two losses. Florida, if they lose to Alabama, they'll have a loss to Alabama and a loss on the last play of the game to Texas A&M. You can't invite a two-loss Georgia or Florida team. So it is A&M who's the second in line in the SEC 
if Alabama sweeps through the conference championship game. Yeah, because if Bama loses to Florida, which I don't see that happening, Bama's in. Bama's a lock. They're not going to get knocked out of the playoffs. They're in no matter what. Uh, so then you would have Florida and Bama. Then you'd have the ACC champ. And surely they wouldn't put in just two SEC teams and two ACC teams. So you got Ohio State and the Big Ten. Or for some reason, Northwestern beats uh, Ohio State. I don't see that happening. But I would assume Northwestern would be in if they beat Ohio State in the championship. I, I don't know how you can assume that Northwestern's in. I don't a one loss Northwestern. I don't know how you can put them in. I, I just I just don't know because are they really one of the best four teams? And that's the way you have to look at it. Are you really going to leave if you have Northwestern and Texas A and M as your choices, a second team from the SEC? Obviously, they're going to put Texas A and M in because you have an SEC team and they played ten games here to Northwestern six. Yeah, but I mean, you're talking about a one-loss Northwestern team that would be a, a champ. Uh, I mean, what does a conference championship do for you if it well, doesn't get you in the playoffs? We saw three years ago where Georgia made the SE, made the playoff along with Alabama, and then they both made the national championship game. <laughs> it's happened before. There's no way Northwestern will be. If, they, if Northwestern sweeps the Big Ten championship game by 50 points, they will not be in the college football playoff. They'll take Texas A&M before that easily. Would uh, undefeated Cincinnati jump A&M to go to the playoffs? Never. 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 Uh, who is Cincinnati defeated? Who is Cincinnati defeated? At least Army A&M could put you in Tulsa. <laughs> exactly. At least A&M has defeated Florida. At least they've got somebody with some yeah. kind of some kind of cachet on their record. Whereas in Cincinnati, no, they're non-power five. There's no way. History tells us. The non-power fives don't make this playoff. Yeah, A&M so, yeah, had one of the easiest SEC schedules this year. They did play Alabama. They did play Florida. Uh, outside of that, <laughs> it was no. They didn't play anybody. Uh, they played all the well, week. SEC we can't. Teams. Don't sleep on them yet. They got to go to Tennessee this weekend in uh, Garantano's final home game. You know, uh, get your tickets now for you Vol Nation people. You know, Garantano's final home game, in Knoxville. That will be a, an event. For the ages, yes. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even play. They played. They had four guys throw a pass on Saturday, and Garantano was not one of them. <laughs> they, they, they're moving forward, yes. They, they have, have to. They've moved on, yes. So, and, well, I'll we'll go ahead and talk about it, then we'll come back to this. Um, I have some uh, people I follow and, and converse with that are Auburn followers, and, and actually some of them are in pretty tight in Auburn, and they really want to if Gus Malzahn is gone, what I mean, Tennessee should fire <laughs> should fire their coach and immediately go hire Gus Malzahn. <laughs> I do, I feel like we're talking about a Tennessee coaching search all the time. Uh, it it yeah. seems like we're doing it just like every six months. Ago. It, it's it, I, Fulmer wants to coach again. I, I just I just have this hunch. It just feels to me like Philip Fulmer wants to get back on the sideline. He feels like he should still be coaching the team anyway. He, when he was fired. 15 years ago, whatever it was, he, he he was mad then. And somehow he is power play his way back into something at Tennessee. He wants to – I guarantee you, he wants, if he had the opportunity, he would coach this team today. Yeah, if if Tennessee lays a huge egg this week against A&M, which they probably will, I don't know how you can keep your coach. I don't know how you can keep through it. Yeah, I don't know either. And, you know, former – he, I mean, he couldn't do worse coaching than what currently is at Tennessee. I don't know if he could recruit, though. 
that'd be the big question mark now for him. He's been gone so long. He doesn't have that same sachet as, as he once had bringing in like Peyton Manning. And I mean, it's quality teams in the nineties, but uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I, you know, I don't know. You know, those they old haven't guys been relevant like, in 20 years. It feel it doesn't feel like that long, but they truly haven't been relevant in 20 years. Oh, it feels like that long. <laughs> well, you're a fan, though. To, to somebody like me who's just trying to pick wins every week and his team ATB, it doesn't feel like Tennessee's been irrelevant as long as they have been. But, mm. man, it's been a long time since they won yeah. the SEC. For, it was early 2000s when the last time they won the SEC, if, I, if I'm not Yeah, mistaken. I think 2001 would have been the last yeah. year they won um, the SEC. Uh, let's go back to the playoffs real quick. Pac-12, I, I don't think – I mean, the only teams they have that are undefeated are USC and Colorado. USC, their best best record they can end with is five and zero. Um, they're not going to be better than a five and zero Ohio State. They're not going to be better than uh, a one loss A and M team. They're already down what ranked I think number twenty right now or number sixteen, depending on the poll you look at. Um, does Pac twelve have any chance of making the playoffs? Not enough games. I mean, they would if USC. They'd love to put a USC in, but one slip up by then, obviously, is over. But, yeah, there's no way. Can you put a 5-0 and team in when Georgia and Florida are going to sit there 8-2 and or 9-2? and Is that really fair? Uh, maybe not. And, yeah, they're definitely not going to get in over Texas A&M with one loss. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think – they started too late. They have to be – I don't know if punished is the right word, but hopefully college football – uh, hierarchy will look at it and go, hey, you guys should have started when everybody else started because they didn't even leave their their I mean, their their schedule was set at six games and they left no room to make up any games that were lost. And USC already had one game canceled, so like I said, they can finish the season five and zero. Oh, but even Ohio State's going to finish at the very least six six wins, six games, if not seven. And I don't think there's any chance for them to climb up past even past Cincinnati. At this point, they could get past Coastal Carolina, but not, but I think Cincinnati's pretty locked in there at number six after A and M. Um, but I don't know; it's one of those things. Well, it's a weird it year. Like this. Oh, it's very weird. But if Ohio State goes six and zero, they get in. Oh yeah. If anybody else in the Big Ten goes six and zero, did they get? Do they get in? You know, it's all yeah. it's all about who you are. Like Ohio State six and zero, of course they're in, no doubt. If it was Northwestern, if it was even if it was Michigan, it, well, probably would be Michigan. But anybody else in the Big Ten, if it was Nebraska, let's say Nebraska goes six and zero, they probably don't get in. Oh, they haven't played enough games, and they certainly wouldn't be changing the rules for a team like Nebraska or anybody Iowa or somebody like that. They wouldn't be changing the rules for them. They change it for Ohio State, but everybody because they're Ohio State. Hey, we give them a pass. Yeah, and I think even more so than it being Ohio State, I think it is Justin Fields. I mean, if you just had a guy, an average quarterback on that team, I think it's different. I think you'd look at it slightly differently. But having a guy who's going to be the number two draft pick in the NFL next year, everybody, Ohio State, the Big Ten, the NCAA, they all want him in the playoffs. And, you know, that's that's what we're going to get. Ultimately, we're going to get Alabama, Ohio State, at least the ACC champ, and maybe a second as ACC team in there uh, if if – Clemson beats Notre Dame, and I mean, I, I, to me, uh, Alabama would play uh, the loser of the ACC championship game. 
if Notre Dame loses. And then Clemson and, and Ohio State would play each other. And then the winner of those games would play the championship. That To me, that's a good playoff. <laughs> I mean, as a, as a fan, it's enjoyable to see those games. Texas A&M, Notre Dame, who's better? I have not watched a single Notre Dame game this year. Um, so I don't know. I would guess Notre Dame, but I don't know. I think you're right. But and when your name is Notre Dame and you have your own network and you have the history that they do, do you get in over a team like Tech A&M, who the only thing they have going for them is that they're in the SEC? I think this year you do. And even though people will say, well, they beat Clemson with their backup quarterback, that's their biggest win. Well, that's enough this year, especially when your name is Notre Dame. And the college football committee, they're losing so much money, they got to get as many eyeballs on this playoff as they can. So Notre Dame making the playoff, even if they get slaughtered by 40 points in the first round, that's still enough of them. But you brought up a good point with Justin Fields. We talked about this before the season. Who was the most valuable quarterback this season? It wasn't who was the best quarterback. It was Trevor Lawrence. But the most valuable one definitely was Justin Fields because we saw when Trevor Lawrence went down, they've got two elite 11 quarterbacks just waiting to come in next year, and they almost won at Notre Dame. Whereas if Justin Fields come for Ohio State, who knows what they'll be. So, yeah, Justin Fields is the most valuable quarterback in the nation, although he's not the best. But, yeah. Clemson can still win next year. They'll be just fine without sports. They will be just fine. But you could argue if Clemson beats Notre Dame, uh, that Lawrence still was the most valuable too, <laughs> because they lost to him early in the season. That's a good point. And, uh, but you know what? Notre but Dame, the, they've not played. Notre Dame's not played anybody. Um, and you mentioned right. that they played, they beat Clemson. They, they beat North Carolina, but North Carolina underachieved greatly this year. And they they had one close game against Louisville, um, uh, twelve to seven against Louisville, which didn't make any sense. But all the other games, they scored uh, upwards to forty points in almost every game. They blew out pretty much every team they played, and it's all ACC teams. And I mean, the ACC is no SEC, but <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, yeah, that Clemson wins enough. And you know, again, I haven't watched their games and their quarterback book. I. I have no idea what he is, and just because I haven't watched him. And uh, this year, you know, between just schedule and other games being on, I never turned on Notre Dame this year. But I know a lot of the nation does, and uh, they're a team that makes sense in the playoffs. Like I said, Bama, uh, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State, to me, that's a really good playoff. It's, it should be entertaining. I think that's the one that's you're looking at right now. I Barring uh, a collapse by Notre Dame and just coming up really bad in this ACC championship game. Those are the four teams. And are they the four best teams? I I tend to think Georgia and or Florida is better than Notre Dame, but they'll have two losses. And, you know, history tells us they don't – you don't get in two losses. I don't care who you are. So you look at power fives with one loss or less, Notre Dame is the fourth best of those along with A&M, but I think Notre Dame is better than A&M and more eyeballs and television sets. So that's why you probably, for my money, that the four you have right now is the four that's going to make it, yeah. My dad had an idea, I mentioned this in my last podcast, but uh, of having a uh, four-team tournament, uh, he, he called it uh, football for real fans playoffs, basically. Of course. Where you'd have Cincinnati, yeah. Coastal Carolina, 
BYU in a fourth team playoff. Get a sponsor for it. Make it make it a show. Basically, a way for them to get more money, <laughs> and and it would be it should be at least evenly skilled teams. Those four those teams you know are in the same category, so it'd still be good football and it could be entertaining. But they're never gonna like you said. I think Cincinnati has the best chance of making the four. Um, just if something crazy happens in some like two championship games, if Clemson loses and Ohio State loses, I think Cincinnati has a chance. But outside of that. Um, and I don't think they'll get in, but I think I think they're the only team of those lower tier teams that has any possibility of making it in the playoffs. You're right. They're the best of those, but they have no chance whatsoever. And don't sleep on the fact that BYU went into that game at Coastal Carolina the other day. They were 10.5-point favorites. So it's not like people out in the desert, the experts, were like, oh, there's a coin toss because they're non-Power 5. Well, no, BYU had a lot of respect out in the desert by the people who are in the know. BYU's been a highly rated power rating team out in the desert all season long. So they have a first round quarterback on that team too. So people know how good that team is. The only difference is you're biting off more than you you can chew when you take a game two days before it happens and you have to travel 2,500 miles to get there. Now you're you're asking for trouble at that point. I know you're trying to do whatever it takes to make this playoff and to build your resume, but you're still setting your kids up a really tough game when it's something like that. Yeah, I give them credit, though. I mean, to me, those are the kind of things they have to do. They have to take those chances if they want any. And they still – if they have they beaten Coastal Carolina, they still wouldn't be in the top four. No, um, they, can't, they can't win. They can't win. If they, Well, and another thing is, too, they were favored by 10.5 points in the desert. So, hey, you were supposed to win. Well, right. Okay, I'm still – and by the way, they did turn down a game with Washington uh, a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, right before the first playoff rankings came out, because they just wanted to see what they were. <coughs> Excuse me. And then when the rankings came out and they were 14, well, maybe we should have taken that game. Well, it's a little late now, but okay. Yeah, it's, don't don't assume that you put this great resume, especially when you're on Power 5. Yeah, yeah, they had to go up and get a team like A&M or somebody like that. Uh, or a big and even that wouldn't help. Team. I mean, even if, if, so. if they beat Alabama, if they beat Alabama, are they still in the top five in the rankings? Maybe, just maybe. But I mean, do they still make the playoff? One slip up and they don't. That's the right. way. That's what history told us. So yeah. All right, let's move to the SEC. You're in Lexington, Kentucky, in the heart of Wildcat Country, and uh, the Wildcat football team had. Big expectations coming into the year. I look back at it, and I'm going to put it on Twitter here uh, in the next week or so. Uh, I went through and found all the local writers, uh, the guys that you've had oh, on your that'll program. Be oh, yeah. I went through and looked at all the guys you've had on your program. <laughs> Every single one of them, seven wins, eight wins. That was their prediction going into the season. Yep. Now, I had one of them on my show, Mark Story. And on my show, he said they'll be lucky to get to six wins. Five wins is probably what it'll be. Yet in the local newspaper, the same guy that on my show said five wins make sense, I believe he said seven wins in the newspaper. So, uh, so, so locally, they all had high expectations. Um, you know, I don't know how much of the nation knows about Terry Wilson and, and Lexington coming into the season. He was the big talk of the town because two years ago, he led the team to what, 10 and three? Oh, yeah. And then last he year, he got hurt three, early yeah. in the season. Mm-hmm. So he didn't play at all last season or only a couple of games. So this year was supposed to be the big 
closing the finale for for Terry Wilson to lead this team to uh, an eight win SEC schedule, which they had no shot of doing. Uh, they go out, they uh, they win four games. So they're four and six, which honestly for Kentucky, that's not bad for an SEC schedule. They well, uh, you mentioned. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say they uh, they lost to Ole Miss and Mizzou, two games they shouldn't have lost. So you take those games and that makes them six and four. Flip that around, just winning the games they were supposed to win, and everybody I think would have been pretty happy with that. But four and six is not something they're happy with. First of all, you mentioned Mark's story. He came on my show uh, before the season, but he didn't want to tell me. Uh, how many wins he was predicting for Kentucky. He wanted you to buy the newspaper because it was the day, I think, that he had released it in the newspaper or whatever. It was some big deal. See, he didn't want you to – he didn't want to tell you on my show. He wanted you to go out and buy a newspaper that day, and then you could read it for yourself. And that's brilliant marketing, and it was great for my show. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hey, hey, Mark Story, what do you got? Well, go out and buy the paper and you'll find out. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll talk about some other time. Yeah, he hasn't been on my show. Could have had him on the Nothing week wrong after. With that. Yeah, exactly. Well, he probably wouldn't have told me that. Go back and look at last week's newspaper if you can still find it. He's 25 cents on the dollar. Okay. But I took a lot of flack before the season started uh, for just basically spewing out the facts on Terry Wilson and going over his numbers and his stats, especially from two years ago, when it wasn't him. He was the 13th, uh, according to quarterback rating, he was 13th out of 14 SEC quarterbacks in that dream season two years ago. So it wasn't Terry Wilson, the reason they were winning games. It was Benny Snell. It was Josh Allen. It was Lynn Bowden. Those were the guys that were winning games. Not when I heard this summer, uh, even before that they came up with this, um, you know, new schedule. All I heard Terry Wilson, oh, he's got a new haircut. He's got a new attitude. Oh, he looks better than ever. And he's saying all the right things. And I'm just like, well, that's, what does that matter to me? I'm trying to pick winners. I'm trying to predict how many teams, how many games this team's going to win. What does that crap matter from somebody like me who, you know, doesn't care about stuff like that and just tune everything out Terry Wilson, was he, was Terry Wilson the reason they went four and six and underachieved? No, he was not, but he was part of the reason because his offensive coordinator asked him to do things that he's not able to do. Can he run the right option? Yeah, he can do that. But can he throw the ball down the field? Can he run a two-minute offense? No, and you saw his receivers this year couldn't do it either. The offensive coordinator was the correct fall guy, as we, we talked about on the show. He was the correct fall guy this season. But it was all about the schedule. You take away those three cupcakes, surefire wins, and then you substitute them with Alabama and Ole Miss. Yeah, you're not going to win seven games, eight games like you've been winning. That's just common sense. That's just numbers. Especially when this year you had, in the last 43 years, you've had one winning conference season in 40 years. This is another losing conference season. To expect you to go up and win seven, eight games like many members of the local media thought this year, it was just flawed logic based on the fact that you don't have three cupcakes anymore, and now you're running the whole game of the SEC. And then that's why a coach like Mark Stoops comes out and says, oh, we'll have 10 games in the SEC again because so many coaches quit. No, you're right. That's why they won't have 10 games again in the SEC because you don't get your cupcakes anymore. That's the reason why, the biggest reason why Kentucky had 
such a disappointing season this year. They didn't to, you know, cover up their inadequacies with those three cupcake wins. Yeah, and they ended up firing Eddie Grand, the offensive coordinator, and will make the switch. I saw some of the names out there. So, again, when you're in a college town, you talked about this on your show on Sunday as well, which you can catch if you, uh, you go back on the on uh, podcast form. You can catch Brad's show, The Bottom Line Lex, um, uh, I think on the podcast or the bottom – because I think that's what it's called, right? Bottom Line Lex on the podcast? Bottom Line Lex, uh, but go to WLXG.com. And look for podcasts. It's, it's easy to find. Just uh, our radio station website, WLXD.com. So um, Brad talked about on a show on Sunday about the fact he talked about Atlanta, where he used to live, and how they view and watch college basketball compared to a town like Lexington, where everything is about college basketball or college sports in general. And to see, uh, you know, in Lexington, everybody is so focused on what Kentucky's doing. And so there is a lot of anger towards the coaching staff or towards the players or different things like that. But Eddie Grand was horrible all year long. And he hasn't been horrible the entire time he's been at Kentucky. But this year, <laughs> he was very, very bad. And he needed to go. The local writers are saying guys like, uh, offensive coordinators in the NFL are going to come and be an offensive coordinator at Kentucky. Like, no, 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 no. Maybe a quarterback coach or something like that. But you cannot expect for a offensive coordinator in the NFL to come and be an offensive coordinator at Kentucky. Okay, you're back. I lost you for a second there. <laughs> I, I, I lost you for a second. Repeat the question short form. I kind of – it kind of phased out. It's that's the new Zoom community we're in here. Okay. What kind of expectations could Kentucky have to bring in a a name for offensive coordinator as opposed to just some young up and comer that nobody's heard of? Well, it it all depends on Stoops. It depends on what he wants. Because I I honestly believe if Stoops had his way, it would be nothing but they they go back to the wishbone if he could get away with it and just run it up the middle. 55 times a game and play defense and try to win games. But you can't do that today. You can't obviously can't do that now. Uh, I think they're looking for somebody that can open things up because the more open uh, these offenses are now, the better recruiting you have. Excuse me. And Nick, Nick Saban said this a few weeks ago, and he's dead on. It's all about offense now. College football is offense, offense, offense. And look at Alabama. When he first got there, they were running game and defense. They had – you know, guys who won the Heisman Trophy, Mark Ingram, they had got uh, Derrick Henry. They had guys who won as a running game. Now they're throwing it all over the place. That's Nick Saban changing with the times. And if you're going to recruit in today's game, you've got to be able to open it up and throw the ball. And just like I've heard for weeks, these magical wide receiver recruits they have coming into town, there's four of them. Now there's three because one of them skipped town to go to Cincinnati. And if you're Kentucky, you can't leave. Kentucky and choose Cincinnati over you. That's basically because why? If I'm wide receiver, why do I want to go there with Terry Wilson and guys like him throwing me the football? And I'm not going to put up any numbers whatsoever, and I'll never make the NFL. Yeah, I think Terry Wilson still has a year of eligibility. I think he might be a grad transfer, go somewhere and play at a small school somewhere, and still get an opportunity to play, play in a system that fits him, things like that. At Kentucky, they've got a transition. They've got Joey Gatewood, who came in from Auburn. They've got Bo Allen. He's a freshman this year from Lexington. 
um, that showed a little bit of signs. And, and a lot of people said Bo Allen was pushing Gatewood for the number two spot early in the season, even when Gatewood, there was some question about whether or not he was going to even get a chance to play this year. But uh, um, a lot of people like the freshman and Bo Allen as well. And both of those guys are supposed to have cannon of an arm. Now, that doesn't always <laughs> mean wins, but uh, they're supposed to be throwers as opposed to runners. And uh, so you got to bring in a guy that's going to that's gonna put a system in place that fits what they have. Because they do have, supposedly, we're told, talented wide receivers and talented tight ends, too. We have no idea if they do because this year it was – I mean, you might as well put a receiver back at quarterback and probably would have been the same <laughs> same results at the end of the day. Well, see, now you're believing the same stuff we were fed in the summertime. Oh, Terry Will got a new haircut. He's a new quarterback. He's a new man. Well, no. Let's see it on the field first. You can sit there and tell. And people are judging this Joey Gatewood and Bo Allen. The only, the real, the only game that Joey Gatewood started was against Georgia. The only game that Bo Allen really put up some numbers against was Vanderbilt. So is that a really a fair comparison? Uh, I don't think so. I'm just, and you could talk about, well, there will be a quarterback battle in the preseason. Pretty much already know who's going to be the quarterback next year. And don't sit there and tell me they don't. That's why they're going out to get a new offensive coordinator, because it's probably going to be a guy like Bo Allen, who is exactly the running quarterback they've had here in all the years under Mark Stoops. Be interesting to see what Kentucky does for the, the Kentucky faithful um, this year. They uh, they they quickly turned off Kentucky football to watch Kentucky basketball, only to be disappointed greatly in the first four games of the season. Hey, the, you got the best three-loss team in the country here, Alexis, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> big, uh, big Blue Day. Uh, hang your hat on that one. There you go. Best three-loss yeah, coach, team. Coach Cal said, don't be mad at the kids. I can't say that I was ever mad at the kids. I, I, was, I was mad at him the whole time. So <laughs> at some point, he's going to actually have to coach and prove that he can coach, and to this point in the season, he's yet to do it. He put out a post uh, earlier tonight that was talking about their their training camp. They're getting ready to start tomorrow, and they're going to work on toughness and turnovers and uh, those sorts of things. Man, uh -huh. they got to work on shooting. <laughs> you ever notice when a coach says, we're getting back to basics, that always, that always comes after something bad has happened? You ever notice that? You, ever, you don't see an undefeated team saying, we're getting back to basics. No, you don't see that. You always see a team losing saying, we're going back to basics. Yeah. Yeah. When you see uh, the fan base pointing out which five players should get the most minutes in the game, and according to everything that we can see and the stats, we can see they're right, and yet the coaches are doing something different, you know there's a problem. <laughs> something has to be fixed. It's obvious the minute where the minutes should, should go. And at this point, he's doing his same. And you know what's going to be crazy is these kids are going to get drafted in the NBA and make millions of dollars, and Kentucky fans are going to be sitting here going, where's the championships that we're supposed to be getting with the great talent that's coming through Lexington? You're right. And, and nobody squanders more, more talent, especially come March. Like Bill Self does it a lot, and John Calipari does it a lot, and Coach Hay does. I'll have a, I need to go through, and we were talking about this the other day, you and I, uh, about Rick Barnes and how he squanders talent, especially in March. <laughs> I got to put some numbers together and figure out who really blows more talent and who really, you know, pees away more talent, if you know what I'm saying. I got to put it's, those four coaches I know are right up there at the very top in terms That'd of be a fun blowing in March. That'd yeah, be a there fun you go. Project. That'll be Bill a good Self, one Bill Self is horrible. I think he's wasted as much talent as anybody. Uh, Cal has not been good as a coach. Uh, with the talent that he's had on his team, uh, Coach K, I don't. I, I'd have to look back and see. Uh, he's got more championships than those other guys, but 
Uh, I have to go back and see. And then Barnes, we talked about this, but Barnes, he hasn't had the same talent. He had Kevin Durant, which was great. But at Tennessee, he had guys that were nobody really wanted and surprisingly made it to the SEC and to play basketball. And and he did okay with them. So it'll be interesting to see. I would be interested to see those numbers too. That'll be a whole – that'll be a good episode. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to put that together, I'll promise you. And especially by March. That's all we're talking about is, you know, who's going to win these tournament games. That's why last year was so heartbreaking. You know, you sit there and you get through and These winners here in Kentucky, they're no fun. I mean, you know, I spent too many years in Georgia to know, you know, that it's not any fun to sit through these cold winters. And you just sit there and you wait for March. You wait for this tournament because it's like springtime and you're, you're through all the drags of college basketball season. You've made it to the end. And then last year it was like, well, we're not going to play it. And it was just – it was the worst, man. And if they don't have one this year – I don't know what I'll do. It's, you know, it's, it'll just be awful. But, yeah. yeah they, everything that they I hear, they have to have one. That's, that's well, the money they make the too, much money. Yeah. too much money. That's why they've already set up the bubble in Indianapolis. There's too much money involved to miss another tournament. So, yeah, they're going to do whatever it takes to play these games. And that's why nobody says a word. And, you know, somebody like Gonzaga in Kansas or Gonzaga and Baylor, number one and two, they don't play on Saturday. That game was canceled 90 minutes before it started. So it's like, you know, well, as long as they play in arts, it's okay. But, yeah, it's it's a crazy time. And just like with college football, how are you going to go into the NCAA tournament and judge who the better teams are, who's, you know, you know when you don't have as the analytics that you normally have going into these tournaments? And how do you seed these teams? You talk about that smoke-filled room where they put this bracket together. Every, you're really going to see conspiracy theories come out of it this year if they get that far. All right. Give me a game this weekend, football game this weekend. I know you gave some on your radio program on Sunday. Uh, not a ton of games going on this weekend, but uh, what's some games to watch, some underdogs uh, for this Saturday's games? You would have to put me on the spot like that right <laughs> as we're getting ready to do this here. I know one game I will be watching. Boy, that Texas a and game. Boy, that's the one I want to take. Uh, I want to take the kids to. <laughs> just so they can say, hey, we saw Garantano's last game. That's one. <laughs> keep the ticket stuff for that one, uh, Vince Dover. You're like, of course, it's Michigan-Ohio State, right? It's got to be Michigan-Ohio State. Not for the fact that Ohio State's a – they started a 30-point favorite. It's down to 29 right now, so the public all over Michigan for some reason. But if you look at this game, just watch the coaches, especially Harbaugh, because you know he's going to be just – doing anything to try to win this game but that's the one interesting game and michigan sitting at two and four with one more game to go do you think they even accept the bowl of full game this year does harbaugh even want to he'll definitely take the ball but will he get fired before the ball who knows but yeah there's a lot of no good games this week i'm looking at it right now north carolina miami you talk about two teams that might be able to make uh, the playoff no they won't because they're in the same league with Notre Dame and Clemson, Wisconsin and Iowa, flip your coin. Those are two rankings. That's a game you don't want to you don't want to miss if you're a gambler or a fan member. That's about it. But I'm looking down this list, and you know, Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Those are the games this week. So due to the COVID, it's hard to find games right now because in Kentucky season is is over. Some of these teams are now they're done. So now you don't really have games until these kind. Of, Usually the conference championship games were played last weekend. So now we're looking at a week and a half now for those games. 
it's just hard right now to to look at these games and be excited for these games unless you're just, you know, really looking at these games as just from a gambling perspective out in Las Vegas. Yeah, I probably won't watch any college football this weekend. I might turn on the Ohio State-Michigan game to see how that goes, but outside of that, because my uh, I got family in Ohio that hates Michigan dearly, and I have a wife from Michigan, um, so, <laughs> so we might turn that game on. We'll see. But overall – how they get mixed up with out. you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got players <laughs> opting out on different – wisely opting out, going ahead and saying, hey, there's nothing left for this team to win, so we might as well go ahead and get ready for the draft and and uh, things like that. There's rumors going around, purely rumors, that Harbaugh is uh, going to go back to the NFL next year. He's got a couple options there, which there's a lot of teams that are going to be hiring. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, so this could be Harbaugh's last game at Michigan, his last stand. If he beats Ohio State, does that make him go, okay, I need to stay another year? Or does he still say, I need to get out of here and end on a high note? And so yeah. the only thing they'll remember me yeah. for is a win. <laughs> if he beats Ohio State, he should leave town immediately and say, hey, look, I beat Ohio State. Absolutely. He's had two weeks to prepare for Ohio State. He knows – he's known for the last two weeks – that that they're not they weren't going to play a game in between, and they are twenty nine. Well, I have it at twenty nine point uh, dogs right now uh, against Ohio State. I mean, he, he all he has to do is be competitive in this game for it to be a win for him. Um, for the school, they still need to win, but for him, if he can make it a, a a field goal game or a you know somewhere less than a touchdown game, it's going to be a win for him, and he'll at least have somewhat of a high note leaving leaving town. Yeah, but I mean, I could get ready to play if Kentucky could get ready for a month and a half to play Alabama, but that doesn't give them an advantage of any sort. So you can it's just prolonging the agony in this case. Yeah, Ohio State's going to win this game, and it's in it's in Columbus, and like the Harbaugh factor only goes so far. It's not going to yeah, they're not going to win this game. But yeah, Harbaugh probably is done after this year. You know, the Jets will need a coach. Why wouldn't you take a chance on a guy like Harbaugh? Something like that, you know? Yep, definitely. All right, so today, going across the bottom of of our screen, if you're watching this, uh, we do have a sponsor, HoffandPepper.com. HoffandPepper is uh, hot sauces and seasonings. If you go to HoffandPepper.com and enter in the promo code BELLYUP, you get a discount on your order. Good time if you're a hot sauce or uh, like things like that. Um, you can get some some uh, discounts and be able to get you some Christmas gifts all at the same time. Today, we are joined by Brad Taylor. He's host of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor from ESPN Radio in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find his program uh, on WLXG.com. Is that right? That is correct. I, sh- I should have written it down the first time. <laughs> WLXG.com. You can find his program, uh, all past episodes this week. Uh, for what it's worth, I thought this week was a great episode. Uh, the Kentucky stuff was really, really good. And uh, for doing it all by yourself, it was a phenomenal show this weekend, I thought. I appreciate that, Vince. It's good to know I have at least one listener other than my mother who listens every <laughs> week. Uh, but we put, we're different than any other show in Lexington, I can promise you. We put a little uh, hustle behind our research, and we don't just walk in and start spitting out cliches. We try to do from an analytic standpoint and from a Las Vegas standpoint in terms of maybe trying to pick a game and get some point spread just for, you know, for slaps and tickles. And and it's, you know, I enjoy it very much. And anytime you can go on the air by an hour by yourself for an hour, 
it's 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 not easy. People think it's easy to go and just roll roll off the couch and talk for an hour on the radio. It it takes a little hustle right there. And I'm very proud of the show that I've been putting on. And that's not to pat myself on the back, but I mean it's we're we're different, and and we take a lot of pride in that. And um, I appreciate you and being on this show, and I appreciate your uh, listenership, Pinto, as always. Definitely. Brad is, I call him the most unbiased person in sports talk and uh, in a town full of fanboy shows, Brad Taylor's bottom line is not at all a fanboy show whatsoever. No. Uh, no. <laughs> so well, every now and then I text him and say, you should say something nice about Kentucky this week. So, <laughs> Well, wave, I might do it. When, when there's when something nice cover- to say. <laughs> Win a game and cover a point spread. I might say something nice about you. Come on now. <laughs> oh, boy. Brad, thank you so much for being on with us and talking uh, football, even a little basketball there at the end as well. But uh, thank you so much for being on. You make you make the podcast better every time that you're on with me. You're the best there is, Vince. Though. I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. And uh, anytime, I'll be on this podcast anytime you like.